of you that are here tonight. Thank you for coming out. I really appreciate that. Last week, we were talking. About, we began looking at the list of the fruit of the Spirit. The first two weeks, we were doing more of a background about the fruit of the Spirit. And last week, we began to look at the actual fruits of the Spirit. And last week, we were talking about the, Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit of, of love. <clears throat> and let me remind you of the Living Bible Translation, because I think it's so good. It really kind of lays the foundation for every study that we're going to do uh, in, this, in this series. The Living Bible translates Galatians 5.22 this way. It says, but when the Holy Spirit controls our lives, now hear that, when the Holy Spirit controls our lives, He will produce this kind of fruit in us. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And what we talked about last Wednesday night is that this is really not something that you work up. It's really not something that's the result of your personal discipline. It really, of course, we have a role to play in it, but really, the, it's the fruit of the Spirit of God in you, not the fruit of what you're able to accomplish. And we said last week that genuine regen, regeneration will bring results in our lives. Genuine salvation will bring results in our lives. We ought to be able to look at our lives and say, I see the fruit of the Spirit in my life. Maybe not perfectly. Maybe there's certain areas that I really struggle with. But you ought to be able to look at your life and say, because of my salvation, I see fruit of the Spirit in me. So tonight, we're going to go to the next fruit of the Spirit, which is the fruit of joy. <clears throat> Take your Bibles and go to Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. Galatians chapter 5. I don't know what kind of day that you've had. You know, have, have you ever had any of those days where you just kind of get in a grumpy funk? You know? Uh, and so when you get in those kind of days, sometimes it's like, well, I don't even feel like a Christian, much less want to talk to one, right? It's just like you, you just don't feel like you, you, you're walking with the Lord like you should. And yet, then we come to a scripture like this. And it, it almost sounds too good to be true. It almost sounds like this is not realistic. This is not real life. And yet it is realistic. And it is real life. Let's look at the scripture and, and dig in. But the fruit of the Spirit, the result of having the Holy Spirit of God living in you, is love, we talked about that last week, and what's that next one? Joy. Joy. That, that noun in the Greek language, kara, means, uh, it can be translated five different ways. Just listen to these words. Joy, of course. Rejoicing. You'll see that in a few moments as we look at different scriptures. Rejoicing. Gladness. Enjoyment. And bliss. Those are the five ways to translate that Greek word. Joy, rejoicing, gladness, enjoyment, and bliss. Now let those words just kind of camp out in your mind for a moment. The Bible is going to teach us tonight that there is a special kind of joy that comes from knowing God and being in a right relationship with Him. I want to show you this in Scripture. I don't have a lot of points tonight, but I've got a lot of good Scripture to share with you. And I want to show you, and I'm going to say it one more time, that there's a special joy that comes from knowing God and being in a right relationship with Him. Let me show you this in Scripture. Uh, go to Acts chapter 16, 
verse 34. Acts chapter 16, verse 34. We're going to look at so many good scriptures tonight. I hope you write these down. And those that are watching online, I hope you got a pad and a pen and your Bible and you're following along and studying with us. Acts chapter 16, verse 34. Here's what the, this is the story of Paul and Silas in prison. And um, I'll tell you what. Verse 29, let's start there. The jailer called for lights. He rushed in and he fell trembling before Paul and Silas. And then he brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. In other words, this is the offer for you and for the people in your home. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. They explained the gospel to him, to him and to everyone in his house. And at that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately, he and all of his family were baptized. Now notice verse 34. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole family. Isn't that a beautiful verse? He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God. He... And his whole family. I can't imagine what that must have been like that night to be in his home. And to hear him express his praise and his joy. And to hear he and his wife talking about it. And perhaps his kids talking about it. They were filled with joy because they had finally come into relationship with God. That's why I asked you a few moments ago. And we'll maybe come back to it again. But I asked you a few moments ago, what was it like? When you came to faith in God. What was it like when you accepted Christ? And for some, it might have been great joy. It might have been like these people that we just read about. That there was great joy in your heart. For some, it might just have been a a sense of peace or a sense of relief. For some, there might have been very emotional and you cried a lot of tears. For these people, when they came into faith in Jesus Christ, they were filled with great joy because of their salvation experience. And I found that to be true. I, uh, I was thinking today about the very first time that I can recall ever leading somebody to Christ. Um, it was at Clifton View Baptist Church. I was probably about, I'm going to guess about 14. Um, and one of my friends who was a couple of years older than me, his name was Rex. He had a car. He was driving. So I, that's what helps me to get the kind of the time frame. Uh, he was driving, so he was probably about 16, and I was, our, our little church had a basement. Rex was down in the basement with the youth group. For some reason, I was upstairs. I don't know what I was doing. I was only 14. I wasn't doing a whole lot, I'm sure. But Rex came to me. He said, Keith, you need to come downstairs. You need to come downstairs quick. I said, what's going on? There's a guy down here, and he wants to get saved. You need to come talk to him. I wasn't a preacher back then, okay? I was just 14. I said, well, why why am I going to talk to him? I don't know how to talk to him. Well, I don't know how to talk to him. You need to come down here and talk to him. And he he almost pulled me down there and took me into the room. This is Keith. Keith, talk to him. He wants to get saved. I didn't know what to do. As best I could, I shared the gospel with him. It's the first time I can remember ever leading somebody to Christ. And when he prayed to receive Christ, I was so Excited. Now he was very excited. 
I was just as excited as he was. I can remember so vividly the excitement, the, listen to this word, the joy I had because he had put his faith in Christ. I can remember being in in Rex's car, driving somewhere after that, and just talking to, to Rex about, I just can't believe how good this feels. I was filled with joy because he'd come to faith in Christ. My point is simply this. There is often joy associated with salvation. Because the Holy Spirit of God comes to live in us. And there's also joy when we see the Holy Spirit of God come to live in somebody else. One of the greatest joys you ever have as a parent is when you see your child put their faith in Christ. That's, you, just, you just can't describe that kind of joy. So let me show you. There's so many more scriptures. First uh, Thessalonians chapter 1. First Thessalonians chapter 1. The Apostle Paul is writing to the people in Thessalonica and he says, you became imitators of us and of the Lord in spite of severe suffering. You welcomed the message with joy given by the Holy Spirit. Paul says, when you came to faith in Christ, even though you came to faith in Christ in a turbulent time and it cost you something to put your faith in Christ, That when you place your faith in Christ, look how he describes it. You welcomed the message with joy given by the Holy Spirit. This joy given by the Holy Spirit. A beautiful description. Go over to 1 Peter chapter 1. Let me show you another scripture. Over to the right. 1 Peter chapter 1. Look at verses 8 and 9. Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. And even though you do not see Him now, you believe in Him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Peter talks to these people about you have received the Lord. And it was not in the best of circumstances, but, but you have this unspeakable joy, he says. Notice how he describes it. You believe in Him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. There is an inexpressible joy that's hard to put into words when you do put your faith in Christ. An inexpressible joy that it's hard to explain. It is the joy of knowing God. The joy of coming into a relationship with God. There is great joy in that experience. Now again, I'm not trying to get you to doubt your salvation experience. You may say, well Keith, I didn't get all emotional. I just took that step of faith. And that's fine. That's fine. Your salvation is not based on your feelings. Your salvation is based on your statement of faith. On on your step of faith that you put in Christ. But for many people, it is a, a step also of great joy. The joy of knowing God. And seeing Him work in your life. But there is, as I said a moment ago, there is great joy in seeing God do that in others' lives as well. Let me show you another scripture. Uh, It's in Luke chapter 10. 
Uh, if you've been reading through Luke with us, you've read this scripture, and it's also a scripture that, Lord willing, I plan to preach in a few weeks, so I don't want to say too much about it, but I do want to kind of give you a little preview. Luke chapter 10. In Luke chapter 10, Jesus sends out either 70 or 72 disciples. I, I mentioned that this past Sunday, how there were, he had a lot of disciples, not just 12, he had a lot of disciples. And in Luke chapter 10, he sends out, depending on the translation, uh, that Greek word is hard to understand whether it means 70 or 72. And so he, he, he sent out this group of, of 70 or 72 disciples on this preaching tour, on a mission trip, if you will. And then they come back and they give a report about the mission trip. I want you to watch what happens, verse 17. The 72 returned with joy. Right, there it is, that's the very first part of the verse. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. I mean, they're jacked up. Have you ever come back from a mission trip and you're just real excited? Ever come back from a mission trip and it's like, man, you, you just won't believe what we saw God do. And you're so excited and so happy and filled with joy over that experience. That's the experience that they were having. They had seen God do amazing things in the lives of others through the gospel. And so when they come back to give the report, the Bible says they came back, returned with joy, and gave the report. Now let's keep reading because it gets even better. He replied, Jesus replied to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven, and I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, watch this, however, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you. That's not where your joy should be. Do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you. But, in contrast to that, rejoice, have joy, that your names are written where? In heaven. Jesus said, this is the reason you should really have joy. That your names have been written in heaven. I don't want to get too far into that, but if uh, let, let me just show you this in Revelation. Uh, Revelation 3, 5. And, and I hope I should have told you, we're coming back to Luke, so if, if, if you can put your finger there, that would be helpful. Revelation 3, 5. Look what it says in verse 5. He who overcomes will, like them, be dressed in white. I will never blot out his name from the book of life, but will acknowledge his name before my Father and his angels. Jesus said the greatest reason that you ought to have joy is because what God does, he never undoes. God will not undo what he's done. So if he's written your name, in the Lamb's book of life. Revelation says he's never going to erase it. He's never going to take it out. And, and Jesus said, now, that's the reason you ought to have joy. See, see go, go back with me to the text, Luke 10, 20. I'm going to write some stuff down here in just a moment. I want you to see this, Luke 10, 20. This is the foundational reason of our joy, verse 20. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. 
We have a reservation in heaven. You have a relationship with God that will never be undone. Now, before we leave that text, because in, in a couple of moments I want to write down some stuff on the board here. Before we, re, we leave that text, I want you to go on down one more verse. I want you to look at verse 21. At that time, Jesus, full of joy, through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to the little children. The point I just want you to see there is that Jesus was full of joy through the Holy Spirit. You see, ladies and gentlemen, even Jesus experienced the fruit of the Spirit. Jesus was full of joy through the Holy Spirit. There is an undeniable joy that comes from heaven itself when we know God and we serve Him. Now, let's get real personal and practical. I know those watching online, you can't respond to me where I can hear you, but maybe you can respond there in your home. And I know that you folks can respond, I just don't know if you will, because this is going to be a very personal, practical question. Here it is. On a scale of 1 to 10, with with 1 being low and 10 being the highest, on a scale of 1 to 10, how joyful do you feel right now? Or how joyful did you feel today? On a scale of 1 to 10, if we had a joy scale, what, what number would you be right now? How many are you, of you are 10? Good, I'm glad. How many, how many, how many uh, I'm not going to say it, I've, I was going to be mean. All right, how many, let's just do it this way. How many of you would say, um, I'm probably south of seven? Yeah, okay. And I could say five, and you, some of you would raise your hand. Three, some of you would raise your hand, perhaps. Um, here's the point I want you to get, and then we're going to kind of work through this. Remember what Jesus said? He said, listen, don't rejoice that the, that the demons bow down to you. But, but rejoice that your name is written in heaven. Here's the thing that's interesting to me. I can know that my name is written in heaven, but still lose my joy here on earth. You hear that? I can know that my name is written in heaven, but still lose my joy here on earth. And practically speaking, you're not always going to be a 10 on the joy scale. Practically speaking, you're going to have some hard days or you're going to make some bad decisions. And when you make those bad decisions, it's going to affect your walk with the Lord. And you're going to slide down that joy scale. Let me show you this in Scripture. I don't want you to take my word for it. Uh, Go with me to Psalms. Psalm 51. Psalm 51. Whenever I read this psalm, I always think of my dad, and I'll tell you why. It's not because necessarily dad could relate to what David said, but I'll explain to you in a moment. Here's here's the text. Psalm 51, uh, verse 12. Now, if, if you look at the very top of Psalm 51, in my Bible it says, A psalm of David, when the prophet Nathan came to him after David had committed adultery 
with Bathsheba. That's the context in which he wrote this psalm. David said, verse 10, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit in me. First of all, God, I need you to do something in me because I know, I know that I've made the wrong decision. I know that my heart has not been clean before you. Create a pure heart in me, and God, I need you to renew that in me. Renew a steadfast spirit. And then he says in verse 11, Do not cast me from your presence or take the Holy Spirit from me. It's almost as if David was saying, this is Shorter's translation, it's almost as if David was saying, I wouldn't blame you if you did, but I hope you won't. Don't take the Holy Spirit. I know I failed you, I know I've let you down, and I wouldn't blame you if you turned around and walked away from me, but I hope you won't. Then he said in verse 12, watch, this is the verse I want you to see. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. God, you know what I really need? I need you to return the joy of your salvation. The joy, watch this, the joy of your salvation. Now the reason I always think of my dad when I read that, because when I was a young man, he told me one time, I think I was preaching back then, uh, just started out in ministry if I remember correctly, he said, Keith, have you ever noticed what David said in Psalm 51, 12? He said, he, he said, a lot of times we think he said, return to me the joy of my salvation. He said, but that's not what David said. And I said, no, I think it is, Dad. He said, no, that's not what, I, I was just sure I was right, you know. I said, no, David said, return to me the joy of my salvation. He said, no, look it up. And I did. And I saw that David said, to return to me the joy of your salvation. See, if it's my salvation, I can lose it. But if it comes from Him, it comes from Him. He gives it to me to keep. If it's my salvation, then I've had something, to, I've done something to produce it. But if it's from Him, I've received it by faith and by grace. His grace. Return to me, David said, the joy of your salvation now how is that possible that we can have the joy of knowing God and then lose that joy that's where I really want to camp out for a few minutes how is it even possible that you can have the joy the absolute joy of knowing God and not lose your salvation but lose the joy of that salvation how is that possible Well, according to the New International Dictionary of New Testament Theology, there is both what they call subjective subjective feeling and objective Joy. Now, I'm going to explain that, but you might want to write that. Objective cause of joy, I should say. Objective cause of joy. Let me explain that to you. There are times when our painful circumstances in life diminish 
not our objective cause of joy. The cause of our joy is that we have a relationship with God. And there are times when painful circumstances in life will diminish not the objective cause of joy, but the subjective feeling of joy. Does that make sense? Our objective cause of joy, what, look up here, the objective cause of joy is unchangeable. Remember Jesus said, I'm going to write your name in the book of life and, and it will never be erased. It will never be taken away. So the objective cause of joy, our relationship with God, that's unchangeable. But our subjective feeling of joy can be crushed by sudden circumstances. One of the hard things about being a pastor and I'm not saying woe is me, I'm just trying to help you understand something here. One of the hard things about being a pastor is you just walk with people through a lot of pain. Uh, and you hear a lot of hard, hard stories, heartache, physical problems, marital problems, financial problems. And it, the list just goes on and on. And, and, and sometimes it, it is literally heartbreaking to understand and to hear what people are, are enduring. And if we took the time, you could probably tell us a story of, of somebody in your family or maybe you that this year has been the hardest year you've ever had because you've gone through some hard times, some hard pain, and it's, it's been very, very difficult. Watch this. The objective cause of your joy never changed. But the subjective feeling of joy goes up and down. It's like a roller coaster. Some days I'm up, some days I'm down. Some days I'm, I'm walking with God, some days I'm not. Some days I feel ha happy, some days I'm depressed. Some days I feel like I've got great faith, some days I feel like I don't have any faith at all. Some days I want to read my Bible and I can't get enough of it. Other days I don't touch my Bible and it might be days or weeks. That, that's, that's the feeling that a lot of people have. It's like, I don't understand. That's why David, look up here for a moment. David said, return to me the joy of your salvation. He's talking about this. He didn't say, return to me my salvation. I've lost it. No, he said, return to me the joy of your salvation. Because I've lost that, the feeling that I once had. Of being in fellowship with you. Now, right, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down because this is so, such an important point. Because, look, look up here one more time, because this changes so much, this subjective feeling, because this, our joy changes so much, uh, the objective joy is there, but the subjective joy changes, because that's true. Sometimes we have to live in the endure mode until the pain passes. I'll say that one more time. Sometimes we have to live in the endure mode. I'm just going to endure this until the pain passes. I have a friend. and I've hesitated. I was sitting up here hesitating where, whether to tell you this or not, uh, but it's, it's nobody that you know, and it's not a personal thing. I'm not betraying any confidence, but maybe it'll help you understand what we're talking about. 
I have a friend uh, whose dad died suddenly. This, this is years ago. This is nothing recent. His dad died suddenly and unexpectedly. Now his dad was taking care of his mom. His mom had Alzheimer's. And his dad was her caregiver around the clock. She woke up one Monday morning and she called 911 and she said, there's a man in my bed and I don't know who it is, but he's not breathing. So my friend had to plan a funeral and he, didn't, he hadn't expected his dad to die. His dad hadn't been sick. So my friend suddenly had to plan a funeral. He had to grieve the loss of his dad. He had to find some way to care for his mother. So we can all understand that sometimes you're just in the endure mode. And if you look at this, we would say, he did not lose the joy of this, but we wouldn't expect him to have a lot of joy with with that situation. That subjective feeling comes and goes. Let me show you a good scripture. You're in Psalms. Go to Psalm 30. Psalm 30. Psalm 30, verse 1. I will exalt you, O Lord, for you lifted me out of the depths and did not let my enemies gloat over me. O Lord my God, I called to you for help, and you healed me. O Lord, you brought me up from the grave. You spared me from going down into the pit. Sing to the Lord, you saints of His. Praise His holy name. For His anger lasts only a moment, but His favor lasts a lifetime. And then watch this. Weeping may remain for a night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. Or as it says in the King James, weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. Sometimes you just have to endure what you're going through. Trusting in the Lord, leaning on Him, endure, but joy can still come in the morning. Psalm 126, let me give you another example. Psalm 126 Psalm 126, verse 6, He who goes out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with him. There are those who sometimes we sow in tears now, and then we reap in songs of joy later. Two other scriptures and then we'll be done. Go over to the New Testament with me to Hebrews chapter 12. We said sometimes you're just in, in the endure mode until the joy is experienced again. Uh, a great example of that is in Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2. <clears throat> Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, 
who for the joy set before Him endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Sometimes you have to choose joy, not based on what you're going through, but rather based on what God's doing in and through your life through that process. Believing God's doing something in and through your life through that process. You might call it a defiant joy. And the last scripture I want you to go to is over to the left to uh, Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. <clears throat> rejoice in the Lord. There's that word rejoice. Remember that was one of the five ways you can translate that word joy. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Now, we could spend a long time at that verse. We're not going to, but let me just remind you, Paul was in prison when he wrote that verse. Paul wasn't at a retreat center. It was in prison. And Paul says, rejoice, have joy, watch this, in the Lord. Up here. Rejoice in the Lord. Not in the fact that you're in prison. Rejoice in the Lord. And then, it's almost as if Paul anticipated somebody raising their hand and said, yeah, but what about, and Paul said, okay, I'll say it again. Rejoice. The Lord. That's the key phrase, isn't it? In the Lord. And that's where the fruit of the Holy Spirit comes in. Our relationship with Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that we can have joy even in the midst of painful circumstances, even in the midst of daily problems, even in the midst of situations we would never choose for anyone. But there can still be this bedrock joy of my relationship with God. We won't take the time to, to read this scripture, but some of you take notes, so let me give you one more to write down. We won't read it, but in, in John 15, verses 1 through 11, John 15, verses 1 through 11, Jesus gives this illustration of, of the vine and the branches, and he says towards the end of that, so that my joy may be in you. So that my joy may be in you. That is the fruit of the Spirit. And the more we are attached, the vine to the branch, the more we experience the joy that only He can give. So that my joy, the fruit of the Spirit, may be in you. So let me pray over you. Could you would you join me as we pray? Father, I know that there are fleeting moments of happiness in our world. There are fleeting moments of happiness because of what we've experienced. And, but I pray for that inner joy that flows only from our relationship with You. And I want to pray for those either watching online or those that are here in the building that are perhaps in the endure mode. And, and life's hard. There's some things that are heartbreaking, frustrating, I pray that joy will come in the morning. That they might 
Endure this weeping for the night, but remind them joy comes in the morning. But even in the midst of that, may they rejoice in the Lord. May they find daily strength in Jesus. May they find daily hope in Jesus. May they find daily peace in their relationship with Jesus Christ. May they indeed experience joy in that relationship. So Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for reminding us that you are the joy we're looking for in life. You are the joy we all want and need. And if anybody here doesn't know you as Savior or someone watching online, may tonight be the night that they bow their knee and give their heart to Jesus. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Well, thank you for being here tonight. Thank you for tuning in tonight. God bless you. Hope to see you next week.